0: Love, talk, radio. Good morning folks hope everybody is having a fantastic day so far. I can tell you this much life is good uh, when you when you set back and you look at how each day comes together, you look at what your family's like you look at what life experiences bring you you look at even the negative that will always take place. I mean, we live in a fallen world. There's no way to get around that. When you look at everything, you realize that you can win. It doesn't matter what age. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you've been through. When you look at the fact that you are not just on this radio show, but that you're you're probably studying books. You're listening to, to powerful leaders. You're You're finding ways to better yourself. Those are the ingredients that John talks about in Success 101, what every leader needs to know. Today we're in Chapter 8, Do I Keep Going When Others Don't? Quitters never win. Winners never quit. Now, because the majority of the people that listen are in direct sales or, or you're in business for yourself, I want you to understand something. When you're in the wrong business, when you're when you've got the wrong products, when you've got the wrong service, when when you're on the wrong team. We're not talking about quitting in those aspects. What we're doing is talking about quitting on yourself. We're talking about giving up when you don't need to. But there are some times when you're when you're focused on your weaknesses versus your strengths and it's time to move, it's time to rearrange. And John talks about that. But he starts off with a very interesting story today. He said, in the summer of 2001, my wife Margaret and I went on a trip to England for 10 days with our great friends, Dan and Patty Ryland and Tim and Pam Elmore. By the way, Dan and Tim are phenomenal, phenomenal leaders all in their own right. I love those guys. They also went with Andy Steimer. We've been close to the Rylands and the Elmores for 20 years, and we've done a lot of traveling together. So we were really looking forward to the trip. And although we hadn't known Andy nearly as long, he'd become a great friend. And he'd been in England so many times that he was acting almost as our unofficial tour guide. As we prepared for our trip, several of us had specific interests and historic sites that we wanted to include. For instance, I wanted to visit all the places related to John Wesley, the renowned evangelist of the 18th century. For more than 30 years, I'd studied Wesley and all of his writings, and I'd collected his books. So we went to Epworth, where he grew up, we went to Wesley's chapel in London, and to many of the places where he'd preached. For Tim, we visited Cambridge and other sites related to the apologist and professor and author C.S. Lewis. And he had, Andy had only one must see place on his list. Since he'd been in England so many times, Winston Churchill's war rooms were where he wanted to go. The three of us wanted to walk in the places where our heroes had walked, to get a glimpse of history and maybe understand the sense of destiny one of these great leaders and thinkers must have experienced. But then there was Dan. Sure, Dan enjoyed sharing our interest. He loved the subject of leadership. He'd read C.S. Lewis's work, and he was ordained as a Wesleyan pastor. He had a great time visiting all our preferred sites, but the one place that he absolutely had to see was the crosswalk where the Beatles had been photographed for the Abbey Road album. Dan wanted us to get our picture taken walking across the street just as John, Ringo, Paul, and George had. Now, i got to admit, I like the Beatles, and I thought it would be fun to visit the site, but to Dan, it was more than a big deal. It was essential. If we didn't make it to Abbey Road, then his trip just wouldn't have been complete. Because of that, every day when we set out on our London hotel trip from our London hotel for our, our daily itinerary, Dan would press us intently. Now guys, are we going to Abbey Road? We are still gonna go to Abbey Road, right? On the last day we scheduled to go to Abbey Road. Everyone except Margaret got up at six o'clock and piled into two cabs to make the trip across town to the street outside of the recording studio, where the Beatles recorded their last album. Dan was so excited, I thought he was going to bounce off the walls of the cab. When we got there, we couldn't believe it. The street was closed, big construction trucks were everywhere, and orange cones filled the crosswalk. It really looked like as if we'd made the trip for nothing. Because we'd be leaving London later that afternoon, we wouldn't get another opportunity for the picture. Dan would have to go home empty-handed. But we decided to get out of the cabs anyway just to check out the situation. We figured there might be heavy construction occurring on a tiny street. However, we discovered that a huge crane, which was located about a half a mile away, was scheduled to come across the street sometime in the afternoon. And that's why the street was closed this early. That gave me hope that we might succeed after all. None of us wanted Dan to be disappointed, and I always love a challenge. So we went to work. We struck up a conversation with the workmen who had closed the road. At first, they had no idea what we wanted. Then, when they understood why we were there, they crossed their arms and stood like a rock, maybe like a wall of gladiators, and told us we couldn't be done. This is our turf, and it was their job to make sure that nothing was moved. However, I did have to laugh when we talked to one of the workers who was about 25 years old, and we told him why Dan wanted the photo. He said, you mean it was really done right here? The whole picture on the Beatles album was right here? Didn't even know. We talked to the guy some more. We joked. We offered to take him out to lunch, and we told him how far we had come and how much the whole thing meant to Dan you guys could be Dan's heroes i explained and after a while i could see they were beginning to soften finally a big burly guy with a thick accent <coughs> excuse me said oh let's help the yanks out what could it hurt the next thing we knew it was like we were working they were working for us they began clearing the cones and moving trucks they even let patty dan's wife climb up in one of the trucks to take the picture so that it was from the same angle as the Beatles' original shot. Quickly we lined up, Tim, then Andy, then me, with no shoes on like Paul McCartney, and finally Dan. It was a moment that we won't soon forget, and the photo sits on my desk today to remind me of it. See, this story here, it's not some you know life-changing event for the rest of us, but for these four guys, it was important. And their tenacity, their persistence, their never-give-up attitude, I won't quit, allowed them to find a way through that wall of gladiators without hindering relationships to make it happen. On that summer day in London, did we succeed because of extraordinary talent? No. Was it because of our timing? Certainly not, since our timing got us into trouble in the first place. Was it the power of sheer numbers? No, there were only 6 of us. We succeeded because we were tenacious, John writes. Our desire to get the picture with the, the desire to get the picture was stro- so strong that success for our little team was almost inevitable. Sadly, most of us have learned to quit. We don't fight for what what our true passion, our our purpose is in life. Life's daily crap just gets in the way. There's, There's no way around that. It's a pain in the butt. It's disheartening sometimes. And nobody, nobody in America wants to be a quitter. So we usually point a finger at somebody else. We point a finger at our circumstances. (laughs) It's like divorces now, irreconcilable differences. What the heck does that mean? You guys have heard me say this before. That is nothing more than a cop-out of two people saying, you know what, we just don't give a rip about our commitment. We don't give a rip about each other. We don't give a rip about what we said. We want to be selfish, egotistical, and do our own thing. The same thing happens in business. See, if you want to win and win big, you've got to learn to never give up. You've got to be tenacious. John calls it, and you guys have heard me say this, the 101% rule. You find that 1% you can agree on, and you give it 100% of your effort. It isn't easy. Simple, but it isn't easy. I've been procrastinating right in an article about a friend of mine. And some of the things that have gone on in his business, some of the people that have been hurt, some of the people that I have grown to to have deep relationships with that were once associated with him. All great people, all godly men and women. Be at a divide that cannot be fixed. And it's because that the people have decided to give up. Maybe not all of them, but most of them. And that's sad to me. But don't get me wrong. I've got relationships in my own life that are broken and will never be healed. Those people and I have gone on down the roads in separate direction, and maybe that's why it means so much to me. Whenever I, I get into John's book on success, and we get to this never give up, because I realize that if relationships are the basics, are the basis of the foundation in which we grow, then when we give up on them, we've given up on everything else. So what does it mean? To be tenacious. How can you get that way? Write this down. Number one, it means giving all that you have, not more than you have. You know, I don't know why people come up with this. Well, you got to give 110%. It just doesn't work that way. Now, i got to admit the government might spend 200%, but obviously you see the kind of deficit that we're in. You cannot do that, but you can give your all. Art Williams used to say, all you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough. And I added on there, are you giving your all? Are you doing all that you can do? John says, some people who lack tenacity do so because they mistakenly believe that being tenacious demands from them more than they have to offer. It's like marriage. They say marriage is a 50-50 proposition, No, it's 100%, 100% commitment. There's no proposition, period. In business, it's not a 50-50. It's not a win-win. It's a win-win-win. There's two businesses that must win. There's two partners that must win. And then there's the client, the consumer, the raving fan that must also win. And everybody must give their all. It's the only way that it will work. Being tenacious requires that you give a hundred percent. Not more, but certainly not less, is how John writes it. Matter of fact, he brings in a little story and I love history. He says, Look at the case of George Washington. During the entire course of the Revolutionary War he only won three battles. But he gave all that he had, and when he did win it counted. British General Cornwallis, who surrendered to Washington at Yorktown to end the war, said to the American commander, Sir, I salute you not only as a great leader of men, but as an indemountable Christian gentleman who would not give up. It's amazing to me. Three battles, but yet he won the war. Too many times, as, as humans, we want to win all the battles, and we lose the war. Not the way it's supposed to be. we got to look at the big picture. I engage with critics quite a bit, and I've come to realize that there's a huge difference between people that are critics, that use critical thinking and analysis to come to their conclusions, And dull, negative, disillusioned crybabies. You need to learn the difference in your own life. Tenacious people can still be critics. You can still look at a situation and say, man, I'm just not sure about this. But tenacious people are never dull, negative, disillusioned crybabies that blame other people when something doesn't happen right. Number two, work with determination Not waiting on destiny. This is one of the things that just pisses me off with this law of attraction, the secret and all that crap. Is that people take that and they say, okay, if I just think hard enough, destiny will show up for me. That's not the way it works. Action. You've got to work with determination and drive. Look at it this way. Two football teams show up on Sunday. If both quarterbacks got out there on the, on the line and their centers were there cooking hot dogs over a grill waiting to see which team would move first, what do you think would happen outside of a riot from 80,000 raving fans that are going to be ticked? You cannot hope to win. You cannot wish to win. You cannot hope you luck into it. It's not a lottery. You've got to work with determination, not waiting on destiny. John says, tenacious people don't rely on luck, fate, or destiny for their success. They know that trying times are not times to quit trying. They go for it. It hurts. It's hard. There's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be bumps. There's going to be walls. You're going to have to use nitro instead of dynamite. But if you are fulfilling your life purpose, your mission... If you've you've got that driving passion for what it is you're doing, nothing should stand in your way of that. I learned a long time ago how to know God's will in my life. I'd listen to Christians say, I'm waiting on God's will, and you guys have heard me say, that just irks me. It's like, how can you be waiting on God's will? If you've got that burning passion deep in your heart and it never goes away, you can pretty much tell that's God's will in your life. The same thing works with relationships. I see people all the time who say, well, I've tried this one on and I tried her on and I tried him on and I'm in my fifth marriage and I've decided not to get married now because there's just nobody out there for me. And then I think back to my own life. I think back 16 years old when a beautiful young girl gave me a cup of coffee and we struck up a conversation. And although I screwed part of that up through some, some time periods of about 18 to 22, God gave me an opportunity. Not because I was setting back saying, oh, what's God going to do in my life? But it's because I sat there and when a question was asked of me in the most obscure location of all places and a good friend of mine said if you had it to do all over again who's the one woman you would not have let good away? And I said the one girl that I believe was my soulmate was Paige. And her friend heard me say that and relayed that message to her And several months later, she walked into my life for the second time. And we've been together ever since. It's not been a good time ever since. There's times I've treated her like a doormat. There's times when when I was selfish and egotistical. There were times when, although she was my soulmate, I didn't treat her that way. But through her tenacity, we're still together 24 years later. And now more than ever, I thrive on being the husband and the father that she needs. And I don't mean her father. I mean husband, father of her children. It's not easy. But it took tenaciousness. It took giving 100% of what I have. I don't try to give her 110%. I try to give her 100% of what I have. I want her to fulfill her destiny, her dreams. I want her to have that time. 100%. I'm working with determination. Number three, quitting when the job is done, not when you get tired. Let's go back to my marriage. You know, 24 years with the same woman can be tiring, but the job's not done. Raising six kids and three granddaughters over a 24-year period is not easy, but the job's not done. Doing radio shows at 9 o'clock every freaking morning is not easy, but the job's not done. Answering emails from 13 different email accounts from three blogs and 42 different profiles and social sites is not easy, but the job's not done. Going to Catalyst every year and supporting 15,000 people over a week's period is not easy, but the job's not done. What in your life today isn't easy, but the job's not done. See, that's the kicker right there. If it's your driving passion and purpose, it's what you're on this earth for, It doesn't matter how hard it is if the job's not done. Robert Strauss stated that success is a little like wrestling a gorilla. You don't quit when you're tired. You quit when the gorilla's tired. See, if you want to succeed, if you want your team to succeed, then you've got to push beyond what you think you can do and find out what you're really capable of. I love the fact that I had the privilege of being in the Marine Corps because I understand everything that John Maxwell is writing about. Because I got pushed beyond what I thought I was capable of. And because of that, not only my marriage, but relationships with my kids, with people, I've survived some of the most trying times In human history. When I look at what John's talking about here, you quit when the job is done, not when you're tired. I think about Jesus Christ. I know some of you that hang out with me don't have my same faith, and I'm cool with that, but listen to this a minute. Just the story part. Forget the spirituality. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane he was praying to his father he was such an emotional wreck that his capillaries broke and blood mixed with sweat if you go seek that out in science you see that when you're under undue emotional stress that this will happen it's it's not like some whacked out deal it really happens but yet he knew the job wasn't done, and he didn't run away from the job
1: at hand.
0: See, we have to look and seek this out. Napoleon Hill summed it up. Every successful person finds the great success lies just beyond the point when they're convinced that their idea is not going Work. And you know, today I laugh at network marketing because it is not what it was in 1982 when I joined. I go back to Art Williams. In 1977, he set out on a mission to change the way middle America bought life insurance. One man with one crusade. I hear people tell me all the time you're not going to succeed. As an advocate in network marketing, and I may not, but if I don't succeed, it's not because the crusade isn't worth it. It's because maybe I'm not fulfilling my purpose. But I do believe one person at the right place doing what they were called to do can change the world. Steve Jobs is a prime example. One man wanted to put fun into an IBM clone computer, so he created something nobody had ever seen before. And at 56 years old, when he passed away last week, the day that he passed away, the fourth generation, four actually almost the fifth generation of the iPhone was released. And in just a matter of hours, they had sold out worldwide. He changed the way people use computers. He created a revolution. He did that after being ousted from his company that he started, being laughed at and mocked He bought the building across the street, and every day he got up and said, One of these days, I will be back. And while he sat there and looked at his baby that somebody else was running into the ground, he launched DreamWorks, which became one of the most creative animated companies in the history of animation, now owned by Disney. It's amazing when you look at some of this stuff. This is what tenacity is. So how can you become tenacious? My mentor and hero, Art Williams, said it this way. You beat 50% of people in America by working hard. You beat another 40% by being honest and having integrity and standing for something you believe in, and the last 10 percent's just a dogfight. It's a, everybody wants it as bad as you do. If you work harder and especially smarter than most people around you, you're going to win. It's not cutting corners. It's not manipulating, folks. It's doing the same thing that the leaders in this country did. So You got to win. You know what it took to take a, a and put a railroad from the east coast to the west coast. You realize the vision, the power, and people were saying it isn't going to happen. You're going through Indian land. You're going to go over mountains. You got to go through ravines. You've got to go through through gorges. How are you gonna do this? I mean and yet it was done. See if you work harder and you work smarter, if you stand for something. See, you've got to have absolute integrity. You can't be an Enron, a a, a WorldCom, a Health South, or anything. You've got to stand for something. John says, to succeed, you must act with absolute integrity. However, if you can add to that the power of purpose, you will possess an additional edge. I use my three-by-five cards. I know what my mission in life is. I know what my purpose is. And it doesn't matter if, if Paige and I are fighting, if the kids and I are fighting, if some business partner disagrees, if somebody cancels their agreement with me. I know where I'm headed. I know what I'm doing. We all have to do that. You've got to make your work a game. See, if you're working and it sucks, figure out a way to make it fun until you can go out there and do what it is you want to do full time. In other words, you've got to accomplish the impossible. John shares a story as we end the hour. People said it couldn't be done building a railroad from sea level on the coast of the Pacific Ocean into the Andes Mountains, the second highest mountain range on Earth after the Himalayans. But Ernest Malkowski, a Polish-born engineer, wanted to do it, and in 1859 he proposed building a rail line from Calico on the coast of Peru into the country's interior to the elevation of more than 15,000 feet. If he was successful, it would be the highest railway in the world. The Andes were, are the most treacherous mountains. The altitude makes work difficult, but add to that the frigid conditions, glaciers and the potential of volcanic activity and the mountain climb from sea level to 10,000 feet in a very short distance. Climbing to high altitude in jagged mountains would require switchback zigzags, numerous bridges and tunnels but the Manonowski and his crew succeeded. There are approximately 100 tunnels and bridges, some of which are major engineering feats. It is difficult to visualize how this task could have been accomplished with relative primitive construction equipment, high altitude, and mountainous terrain as obstacles. But the railroad stands today as a testament to the tenacity of the men who built it. No matter what happened to them during the process, Malikinowski and his team never, never, never quit. You've got to remember, you cannot quit if you want to win. Folks, tomorrow we'll be in Chapter 9, Am I Striving to Keep Learning? It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back with me right here tomorrow on Real Mentors Radio. God come. Bye now.